Welcome to the HR Chat Podcast, bringing the best of the HR and talent communities to you. Welcome to another episode of the HR Chat Show. In this episode, I'll be chatting with Ultimate Software's Cecile Alpea-Leroux about how HR can develop more people-centric processes. As VP of Human Capital Management Innovation at Ultimate Software, Cecile is focused on the delivery of people-centric HCM technology-based solutions and services. She is an economic anthropologist, a frequent speaker on a wide range of global industry trends, and author of books such as From Dissonance to Resonance, Bringing Your People and Organization into Sync. Presenting at Hacking HR's HR Innovation and Future of Work Global Online Conference and Workshop on March 3rd to 6th, Cecile will be addressing the topic of building a people-centric HR. Cecile, it's my absolute pleasure to welcome you to the show. Thank you so much for having me, Bill. I'm delighted to be here. And beyond my wee introduction, I'd love it if you could tell our listeners a bit more about your, you, your career background and your role at Ultimate Software. Absolutely. So it's it's not necessarily the typical path uh, to HR technology to start out as an economic anthropology. I studied um, Mayan archaeology and then spent quite a bit of time doing um, economic uh, household economic studies in the Philippines. But what that did was it gave me uh, a taste for um, the sorts of of cultural interactions and dynamics that you always see in the world of work on a on a micro microcosm sort of sort of a scale. And um, I uh, I got into the world of HR. I talked my way into a, an, an HR job a number of years ago, and uh, quickly realized that I wanted to be a little bit more part of the solution and um, do whatever I could to make the the world of of HR professionals a little bit easier. Um, and I worked for I've worked for a couple of different um, ERP companies. And uh, for the past nine and a half years, I have been at Ultimate Software, uh, where I've had the opportunity to lead product strategy and, 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 um, and development, and most recently really focus on what is happening in the future, uh, essentially getting the, the incredible opportunity to be a corporate anthropologist um, and look into how can we really start to anticipate what's happening in the world of HR and it's changing so very rapidly um, and, and, and address uh, and really prepare um, not only change the conversation also about where the world of HR um, and HR technology are going. So listeners, uh, just a little insight for you. Uh, at, at Cecile's end today, she's sitting there with this marvellous, huge crystal ball where she's got all the answers, and we're going to delve into those now. <laughs> <laughs> so, <laughs> so uh, Cecile, today many companies are composed of four, or even in some cases, five generations of workers. I'd, I'd love to hear from you. What, what's the impact on, on how they interact with each other? How can HR manage generational differences? And my goodness me, there, there are lots. And and as a millennial myself, I'm I'm, I'm quite interested to, to get your take on which generation or, or generations is maybe dominating the ways that we work today. 
it's, it's such an interesting question. And though um, I don't necessarily draw hard, hard lines with the generations, I do think that there are so many um, that every generation goes through phases um, in, in some ways. So we can, we can give them specific characteristics. Um, but each generation in the workplace brings something very, very different. Um, and we have to work better on exchanging rather than exchanging ideas, um, sharing ideas, um, because what we don't want is to sort of have this idea. There's a lot of talk of, oh, well, millennials are dominating. Um, Millennials have absolutely set a much more, they've set a tone of much more openness and a, a need for more communication in organizations than previous generations had. Um, but what's interesting is they've set the tone, but that doesn't mean that it's a tone that everyone else isn't attuned to. Um, it's something that um, Gen Xers and uh, which which is which is where I fall in into uh, into the, the the workforce, where Gen Xers and even Boomers like. Well, I wish I had thought to ask of that. That that makes perfect sense. I really like that. And and so I, I think what we have to do is work much more on sort of these these generational exchanges. And and so often we hear about programs where um, you know we really need to get our our our, our boomers who will be phasing out of the work, the, the traditional workplace, if you will. But a, a side note is that actually um, there's, a, there, there's an app called Winola where a lot, of, uh, a lot of boomers are actually raking it in from a gig economy standpoint. And we often don't think of that. So, so we can't really um, sort of pigeonhole um, or sort of put people and generations into specific boxes because there's so much exchange that can happen. And I think we need to foster more of, of that exchange where we've got um, the different generations learning from each other. What can uh, a, a Gen Zer or Gen Zer uh, learn from um, from somebody who's who's a Gen X or what can millennials also learn? Uh, and and how do we have these sort of um, exchanges in terms of mentorship and sponsorship rather than um, well, you know, you just need to learn to get up to speed with technology and really embrace it. Uh, as a Brit, and as we've also got a Canadian audience, I do appreciate that you just said Gen Z, and and then and, trans- <laughs> and, and translated that as Gen Z as well. <laughs> okay, so uh, in that context, I mean, obviously, there's a lot of talk about certain generations uh, being more more uh, adept with with technologies uh, than, than others may be. How, how can all employees better connect or to use your term resonate with the structures, ideas, norms and these new technologies that define yeah. today's work experience? Yeah, so I think that um, the, it's it's an interesting question. How can employees better connect um, or better resonate with what it is that that with with the, the modern workplace um, in many ways? And 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 I think that I would probably flip that a little bit and talk about. Um, I, I think people have to be given the opportunity, and that the organizations have to do the work um, to actually connect better with employees. Um, and, 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 and the reason, the reason for that is that, um, today people's online, um, online lives have no resemblance whatsoever to what we most often experience in, in the workplace. A lot of those structures, what defines leadership, for example, um, what defines a meeting, uh, <laughs> if you will, even those have become quite outdated. A lot of the, the processes that we hold so dear, uh, from from performance appraisals to compensation, uh, all of these things, 
are 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 necessary. They're they're important in many ways, but they don't necessarily um, make a lot of sense in the context of what people are experiencing today, the pace at which people um, are working, are changing, are going through information. And so I think that organizations have, have to provide opportunities for people to explore a little bit more. We have to also recognize that the norms and, our, our, and what we hold to be sort of givens have changed dramatically or may not make any sense anymore. Um, so, so I think it's not just the employees that have to better connect, but I think organizations have to work on becoming more resonant organizations. HR has to um, listen better to and, and observe much more to what's happening so that there isn't this kind of this, this sort of disconnect um, where that, that we see played out in you know 30 years of, of, of plateaued, if 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 at all, um, increasing, but but essentially plateaued engagement. Um, even productivity is plateauing, and there are a lot of different things at play there. Um, but we have to do a, a better job, really, of either rethinking the structures. Do we really need this? Um, we have to rethink even the the requirements for for jobs um, and for work that's being done. Is it really necessary for someone to have great eye contact, for example, um, through a, an interview process if they're never actually going to see someone? Um, so, so I think th- those are some of the things when I talk about resonance, the whole idea is that that we as or in, in organizations and as leaders in HR, we have to actually adjust our frequency, if you will, to be much more in touch with what's happening um, to people and 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 what really how people operate outside of the workplace, because I think that the 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 line between work, this whole idea of work life balance, doesn't exist anymore. We're really talking about you know like life work integration more than anything else. So so I think it's it's um it's less about employees making all the effort, but also it's it's we have to meet people where they where they need to be met as well. Now, as part of my homework ahead of our interview today, I, I was reading a, a reading another interview that you did where you said that the future of HR pros is is perhaps uh, uh, going to be divided into two two disciplines, and one of those were mm-hmm. were pe- people agents. And, and I'd love to mm-hmm. I'd love to get a little insight from from you now in terms of how important yeah. are employee resource groups to fostering better communications yeah. within organisations, and will these people agents replace or complement the role of ERGs? Perhaps you start that question or that answer, sorry, by by sort of uh, yeah. giving a little definition as to what people agents are. The notion came from sort of having countless conversations with, you know, I, I mentioned I, I have I have a I have a millennial and a Gen Zer. Um, I'm the parent of of one of each, really. Um, and 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 so there's there's a bit of a fine line. But I, I talk to their friends. I, I talk to a lot of HR leaders in in the in the work that I do, and sort of finding. I think there have been some really public examples also um, with the, the the Me Too movement, et cetera, where we find, well, HR is, isn't truly advocating for people. Um, that they, because even if they want to, an HR leader often is responsible also um, and, and is responsible to the organization and answers to the organization that pays them. So there's this, this sort of between a, a rock and a hard place situation many times. And, and perhaps what would be more freeing and more effective for HR is that as we sort of morph into um, these these two different roles that that are both focused on the future, 
But on the one hand, you have organizational agents that are creating the environment that will help resonate more um, and the, the, the practices and the, and the policies that, that would be more resonant with uh, the, the modern workforce. But at the same time, people will need advocates um, and agents themselves. And, and we see this in certain industries, in the, in the, the, the sports, um, in, in, in entertainment. Uh, but when you think about who's going to advocate, not just from a contractual um, or, or, or a pay basis, but also when there are challenges, we don't necessarily um, learn how to be the right kind of employee, how to truly understand and advocate for ourselves um, as part of our education. That just not isn't part of what we do. Um, and so often there, there's this expectation, oh, these millennials, they're, they're, they are, um, they're, they're out of sync and they are entitled. Well, in many cases, they have been, we've all been raised in many ways to have certain expectations. And and so if we could have a, a, a people, a, a personal agent, essentially a, a people agent um, that would truly um, represent employees in, in the workplace, would truly rep- represent an individual, perhaps even starting that relationship as early as in, in, in school um, or in a, in a trade school, that sort of thing, so that they have someone who understands, advocates what their dreams, what their desires, what their what their aspirations are um, so that you really have sort of an HR for the people, if you will, the, the people agents and, and an HR from the organizational standpoint, not pitting them against each other, but, but actually working together. And, and I think that your question about the role of, of ERGs then, I think it, it complements that. From, from my perspective, employee resource groups or ERGs are really defined to create a sense of belonging for, for people in an organization, um, to be able to not um, to, to, to have a, a, a community within an organization, um, an affinity group as, as well um, that that actually creates a sense of belonging because we know that that diversity isn't enough that inclusion still d- sort of connotes a bit of a of, of a power struggle or a power, or power dynamic where I am going to I have the power to include you um, belonging simply happens and that's where I think ERGs play a really important um, important role so I think of the the people agent more as an on an individual basis whereas the ERGs again um, the, those those resource groups are, are more of a collective view and we need both of those um, the the collaborative aspect as well as an individual um, uh, agent or advocate in the workplace um, today especially as organizations and work itself becomes more fluid it becomes important i think wonderful thank you okay we are going to switch up the pace here as i like to do sometimes in this in these interviews uh in 30 to 60 seconds um, what are your top two or three tips for achieving a people first work culture and what are some of the hurdles to, to doing that yeah i mean without a doubt the the first um is you have to believe that it matters. So you have to have um, uh, an, an, an organization that believes that its people are essentially the the, 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 the business or the organization or, or at the core of that. Um, it requires, without a doubt, listening. 
Um, and that's active listening as well as passive listening to what's happening in an organization. Um, and there are some great technologies that can help uh, that, that can help do that. But those two kinds of listening are, are crucial um, because if you just ask questions, then sometimes you won't necessarily um, you won't necessarily pick up on what's happening. You won't pick up on hotspots or potential challenges. And then finally, um, taking action. Uh, so if you listen and you're hearing what's happening, you have to be able to take action. So, um, so, so those are sort of the, the three elements um, that are essential to creating a, a, a people-first culture. Um, the biggest hurdles I see um, and I hear about all the time is paying lip service to, to listening um, and sort of making that much less authentic saying yeah we're we're hearing you but not necessarily taking the action that's sort of the 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 kiss of death and i think also um limiting communication at time at times is 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 a significant hurdle we often are afraid of being um transparent um, in communication, and yet that's one of the most important ways of creating trust um and and without trust all of this sort of sort of goes away that's it's it's a critical foundation also to a a, a people people first uh, work culture okay uh, just a few more questions for you for today and i'd love to get you on again in the future and i'm hoping we can talk about that um how, how can technology providers move away from transactional tracking systems to more experiential people-centered systems of interaction and interconnectivity yeah, so so this is one of the most I think exciting uh, areas of development in in the world of, of technology. And although there's a lot of buzz and often sometimes some negativity um, around AI, it sort of went from the, this whole notion of oh AI, AI is um, is, is going to take our jobs um, being the fear, and now it's AI is biased. And and certainly um, that that is. There, there, there's something to be aware of, and we have to look at mitigating bias wherever possible. And there are ways to do that um, with with um, changing up data sets, sometimes oversampling because because AI and 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 some of the the new technologies um, can process a lot of information, and that's great from a transactional standpoint. But I think what's really really exciting is when you have now the ability to um, to pick up on so many different channels of information. So this multi-channel input, um, even this whole notion of people have an incredible digital exhaust that they leave behind with every interaction that they have. Um, with every transaction that you create, there is uh, there are a series of other transactions or, or at least um, interactions that happen. Um, and when we start looking at that mass of data, we can start to anticipate and even um, create experiences that are anticipatory for people, knowing, hey, this is what you did in this particular instance um, a week ago. How might we do X, Y, or Z and actually start helping people? There's also a great possibility, although sometimes it, it frightens people, um, to to look at some of the passive um, the passive different signals or tech technology signals from wearables, et cetera, and be able to actually help people rather than just survey them in the workplace. So I think that we have to have transactions. Those are always going to be part of it. But what we can do is is learn enough about people from all of this digital exhaust to create a much richer experience for people. Um, and it's an experience that then lives because of all these different data um, data points 
and and clearly things like uh, things like voice and video have have completely transformed um, in interaction. Um, such that technology will be able to help us and amplify and augment what we do rather than just transactions that sort of track. Uh, it sort of gives me, it makes me cringe when I hear people say, oh yeah, I'm tracking this and, and we can track this. That, that's not really that interesting because people don't want um, just to be tracked. They don't want, they, they want to be able to have a much richer experience. And again, we have that in our online personal lives. And we have to be able to create more of that in, in the world of, of, of work as well. Okay, thank you very much. Now, uh, we've, we've covered a lot of topics today uh, related to building a, a people-centric HR, of course. Uh, now, the, the reason why you and I came together is that you're going to be speaking at the HR Innovation and Future of Work Global Online Conference uh, workshop from the awesome guys over at HR. Uh, just very briefly, what, what can participants uh, expect from you uh, at, at the event? Well, so they can certainly expect that um, I, I'm not a, a shrinking violet, so I will be sharing and, and, and advocating um, for for uh, people centricity and uh, it, at every turn. And, and when we think about um, one of the things that I, I really want to make sure of is, is too often when we talk about um, people centric HR, it goes back to what um, what what HR um, has already um, as its set, set of tools. And, and I really want to push HR to think very, very differently, um, not put the burden on employees um, to be responsible for preparing themselves for the future of work, but actually really, really um, pushing more innovative thoughts about what is it that we can do, new new practices, um, flex teams, all these other things that we can do that that take the the listening that happens and and put puts it to work for people. Um, because I think there's such an enormous opportunity for HR to be um, to, to be part of this change, to actually lead this change for a much more people-centric um, world of work. Awesome. And just finally for today, Cecile, how can our listeners connect with you? So um, listeners can connect with me on Twitter at Cecile HCM. Um, I'm also available uh, on LinkedIn. Would love to have a, a chat conversation. Um, if anybody happens to be interested in, in the book, um, nalupublications.com, N-A-L-U publications.com. If you're interested, um, also just um, I'm, I'm pretty easy to find. Uh, so so would, be, would be really, really happy to uh, continue any of the um, conversation on any of these topics. And thank you so much for having me today, Bill. It was really a pleasure. And thank you, Cecile, for being a guest. I do hope we can get you on again. Uh, and uh, listeners, until next time, as always, happy work. Thank you for listening to the HR Chat Podcast, brought to you by the HR Gazette.